Hey, 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 how's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Once again, here we are in our virtual home studios and spaces all around the world. Well, probably not all around the world because we're not that famous, but people are listening. People pay attention. You know what I mean? Anyway, I'm here with my co host. We got Lars here next to me. Whoop, there he is somewhere. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Here we are. Nice to uh, see and listen and have you hear our voices and see our faces and exchange senses. Yeah, we're all doing good. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm uh, behind me. You see my uh, album cover right here. Coming to uh, theaters everywhere. And uh, I'm wearing my pizza shirt and my cool sunglasses as always. So it's, uh, it's good to be here, everyone. Yeah. And uh, now we'll kick over to my other co-host here. Give it up for Trey the actor, Trevor Ketchison. Yeah, you are looking sane as ever, Lars. If you can take a, a screenshot of somebody who is uh, looking at most sanity through this, that would be it. That's the look right there. Don't I look don't I look like a guy who's entered the World Series of Poker? Like I'm just like <laughs> just No, like, you look like a guy in the Pizza Hut witness protection program. <laughs> It's like you sent back too many coupons. We're sick of delivering to your house. Hide. We're looking for you. You know what I mean? Right. Thank you. Domino's I'm excited. Like, we'll take him in. Truth be told, everyone, I should. I'm going to let the cats out of the bag here. Uh, about five to ten minutes ago, we all showed up, and Trev was wearing the shirt he's wearing, and I got insecure about my normal shirt, and I had to be at least on cool level as Trevor, so... Trevor. Well, because it wasn't even a, a shirt that was doing anything unusual. It was very normal. So it has to be at least something to, to get. I mean, Bruce could probably eat your shirt now, but that's irrelevant. Describe that shirt for the listeners. It's a the Bruce listeners, they're, what they're seeing, what they're not seeing is a Bruce Lee shirt that was purchased for some odd reason. And when I was in grade seven at like Pacific Mall, I was like, that's the shirt I need in my life. You've owned that shirt since you were in grade seven? Yeah, I got it like wow. as a, a way back, playback, yeah. It's big on you though, like it's huge. Yeah, it can you imagine? <laughs> I would fly around like a magic car. I actually hung it on my wall as like a poster for years. I don't really wear it. So. Is it made of silk? It's kind of like a silk, yeah. Like It's sure kind of the... like a silk. It's beautiful. It's that's, absolutely ladies and gentlemen, that's code for that's code for it could be made of anything and he has no idea. When you hopped onto the show and I saw it, I said to you, I was like, that is the shirt of the year of the podcast right there. You yeah. won. This yeah. is just my that, futile attempt to be like at least on par with you with my pizza shirt. Well, speaking of going way back in time in my life, um, I'm really excited for this episode because, uh, you know, since we started getting regular guests on, um, we've been getting uh, a lot of colleagues and, and people in our community. But uh, tonight, today we've got somebody who goes back a long, a long ways with me. And I want to introduce our, our guest here tonight, the one and only from around the world and back again, Phil Kingston. What's up, boys? Thanks for having me, gents. Yeah, I've been friends with Trev for like, what is it now, man? It's at least 15 years, right? Uh, yeah, well, you probably more because we lose track. Like, you know, it's yeah. hard to keep, keep up, especially the last few years. Uh, I was probably, I think, about 15. Yeah. Yeah, it was grade nine, wasn't it? 
Grade nine yeah. we met. And I can attest that you had that shirt for as long as I've known you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you kept it in great condition. Yeah, actually, I lost it at the grade nine dance in, uh, at Northern. We snuck in, and I left it down at the cafeteria. And Matt Atatouille somehow miraculously rescued it, told me. And I had to go to his place in St. Clair West, and he had it there. <laughs> and I, I got it. He gave it back. I'm like, first of all, you rescued it. Second of all, you gave it back. Yeah. I'm like, damn. Yeah, that's miraculous for sure. Those uh, those. Those grade nine dances, they got pretty wild. <laughs> oh boy. Bruce Lee, um, he's, uh, he's come a long way with you. How many times do you think Bruce Lee's moved with you? Um, well, how many times? I've moved a bunch, right? Like more than, uh, two hand, more than a handful. So a couple of handfuls of times. It's, uh, it's been number one on the list. Because, nice. you know. So um, I, I know Phil's got some stories locked and loaded. I happened to meet Phil. I know Phil's one of your old school buddies. I got to meet him at some of your parties. I met Trev through the acting world and then started hanging out with him and some of his buddies. So by extension, I remember showing up to a handful of random house parties and you were there, Phil, where we got pretty like in, in style of the, of the day with the, oh, yeah. all the boys got pretty licked. Yeah, man. <clears throat> yeah. Trev and I, we, we've kind of, we, we've like had periods where we hang out all the time and then sometimes it'll be like months, man. Like last time I saw you, I didn't even have a mustache. <laughs> yeah. No, no I mean, I'm this, 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 yeah, this is definitely, it's definitely up there in terms of uh, like one of the gaps. I don't know what it is. Um, and like, but the, the work too, when we were working, like it was really, it was, it was getting difficult because uh, for all our viewers out there who don't know, and, and unless things have changed, you're, you're still with EMS, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, dude. We both have like these uh, odd work hour jobs. And so that kind of, uh, that hurts the socialization, but we've definitely had some legendary parties and some legendary moments without a doubt, man. Like I was saying, I watched your episode with Cam. That really brought me back, man. Just seeing you yeah. boys talking about it's all the wild times and the parties and everything else. And all, I all it takes that. is like, yeah, one or two of you to get together and then bam, you're right back again. Yeah. For, the, for the listeners, that's episode number 20. It's called Violently Ill. You can go uh, listen to a couple. There's a couple stories. Sophie, Sophie is a guest on that one. And Sophie Cam, they, is a both, guest in that episode as well, yes. They, they both talk about some Trevor stories. That's one of the fun, most fun things about meeting new people. Like, obviously, everyone has old friends, but then you meet people along the way. But for me to... I met you later in life, Trev, but then I meet like your high school buddy, Phil, or same thing. We meet you, Bob, and then we meet uh, Rich. Rich. It's, it's funny to meet, you, you meet other people's old timey friends and you kind of realize we're all the same. Like we all have, it's like, we're just alternate, like parallel versions of each other almost. Yeah. Yeah. The third, the third degree of separation really doesn't mean much. It's like, you notice really quickly how close people are to each other when it comes to behavioral patterns amongst groups of friends and stuff. It's like the same stories repeat over and over again through our social groups. It's just the nature of how people meet each other. Like we probably wouldn't know each other if there weren't some commonalities, right? That's just, that's, yeah, it just makes a lot of sense. Right. And that's, I think that's always been a thread on this podcast and, and what, when people listen to the stories, what they relate to is everyone has party stories. Everyone has booze stories. Yeah. Everyone has drunk disorderly stories especially growing up um it's just something. oh yeah and then with you obviously so we when 
uh, Phil, when Trev and I met Bob and everyone who knows this knows, we would all tell our stories and we're all telling stories of goof, goofery and drunken disorderly party type stuff. But giant Bob, <laughs> of course, his stories are going to trump ours. So every yeah. story that he told would just blow. Like you can almost to the point where if you're in a circle of guys having a drink or smoking joints, and uh, everyone's telling their crazy story, you almost by default have to go last. Otherwise the guy going after you is just like, well, I don't know what I'm gonna say after his story. Yeah, that's been my impression watching these episodes. It's like, Bob, you're a fucking wild man. Like, <laughs> I don't know how, uh, I don't know how you follow that, that shit, you know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, tell you boys my wackiest story, but that's just like, that ain't shit like compared to some of the stuff I heard you talk about. All right. Well, let's, you know what? So I've read, I've read your, I read your bios and your overview. So let's jump into that. I mean, I, I'm really interested. I think that was a, that was a really compelling story. And I want to know, I want to know how, how you became known as, as a goon. <laughs> yeah, man. yeah, this is a story I like. It's a throwback to the travel days when I was a younger man. <laughs> And I was going through Australia at the time. And, you know, when you're traveling, it's so easy to make friends, right? Like just a bunch of like-minded people often around a similar age. You're all in this foreign land together. So making friends is super easy. And, uh, well, sometimes it's like, well, hey, yeah, we're all going the same direction. So may as well travel together, right? And Trev probably knows about this. I know he's got his uh, times in Europe and everything else on the old backpacker trail. But uh, that's what was going on. And I ended up in this group of like, you know, about eight people, guys and girls, and we're moving up the Australian coast there. And when you're hanging out in Australia, and especially when you're on like a budget as we were, you're looking for the cheapest booze you can buy in the store, right? To party and drink at. Sure. Yeah. And uh, well, in Australia, the cheapest booze they've got is this boxed wine called Goon. (laughs) <laughs> you know the best part about it is the best part about it is phil i 100 percent believe you because i used to drink these tall cans of a malt liquor called muskrat yeah. oh yeah and man uh what 13 percent like fucking you know like the mini king cans with like a big fat stubby mini king cans you know the yeah. ones they don't sell anymore because they're too much beer. They're basically illegal, right. especially when they're especially when they're like thirteen percent malt liquor. But yeah, yeah, so I know what you mean. I totally believe you, goon. I love that Australia. Thank you, Australia. Anyway, yeah, I wonder, I wonder what goon means in in Australian slang. Yeah, is it the same thing there? Is it like a fighter? Uh, like like same? I mean, I think so. Like, <laughs> I don't know why it was called Goon. I still don't sure. to this day know why. Any any graphics? Any uh, any any anything to indicate in the writing of it? They tried right, to way, make it like that, that, that's our that's our that's our, our our question to the internet there, boys and girls. Those yeah. of you out in the internet world, I want you to see if you can figure out what the hell Australians think the word Goon means, because if it has a different meaning than it does here. That's really interesting. Anyway, sorry, Phil, let me interrupt you there. Well, I did actually, uh, I, I think I remember someone was telling me while I was there that, like, it was the aboriginal word for pillow. I think it's a bunch of bullshit. I think someone was just fucking with me. Because, you know, in, like, a box of wine, they've got the bag. And so a little life hack is when you're done the box of wine, you take out the bag, 
you like reinflate it, you just blow into it, and then it's a pillow that you can rest your head on. As you <laughs> That's <pass>. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay, I'm I'm pulling it up here. Um, That's for, amazing. For, for context, let me let me pull it up on screen. One sec, uh, just so we can all see it. I'm gonna yeah, share. Bring me back. Show me a box. Because when you're done menu. a box of wine, you're definitely gonna need to lie down. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Uh, there, there it is. Is that it? Oh, that's it, baby. That's yeah. Is it the white? It was the white wine. Oh, they got all sorts, man. They got all sorts. Every kind of wine you want. They've got a goon variation of it. Many backpackers drink it almost daily. (laughs) Accurate. Right there in the description. Right there in the description. The very first sentence. It's uh, it's it. god awful. It gives you Read vicious it. hangovers, but the price is right. So we were, you know, we were pretty enthusiastic about it at the time. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so listen to this. Like, most people, most people in Australia know about it. Many backpackers drink it daily. Basically, goon is a general name for cask wine or boxed wine. There are mixed opinions about goon. On the one hand, it's a cheap drink that tastes good, ice cold, or mixed. On the other hand, it can be disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) It's always disgusting. (laughs) On the box of one brand, Golden Oak, it says, produced with the the aid of milk, egg, nut, and fish products, and traces may remain. Sugar added. Uh. Literally, sugar over top of everything. And you take a sip and you're immediately hungover. <laughs> that brings me back to you because that's what people would say. They're like, this shit's made with like milk and eggs, man. Like, this isn't good wine. <laughs> this is <fucking laughs> milk wine. Like, yeah, it's not good for you. What, is that, what does that even mean, milk and milk and it? Like, I have no idea. That means milk and eggs, you just let them go sour and they turn into. No, it means, it means they're fermenting them in containers from whatever. So you're fermenting whatever it is you're making the wine out of is it, it could be berries of any kind or grapes or some kind of citrus could just be citrus pouches who knows who knows whatever the cheapest way to produce it was that's what they did yeah a little right. bit of antifreeze milk and eggs the <laughs> rotten milk and eggs it is so did you guys push it to the brink like did you humanly consume as much as possible yeah so like you know, you, eventually you acquire a taste for it, right? It's not so bad. Uh, How much so was it, it? Was it cheap? It was cheap? It was cheap. It was very cheap. Like the box is four liters or something. And I forget how much exactly it was, but it's like, you know, eight, 10 bucks for four liters of this wine. Wow. So you, you really can't go wrong when you're on a budget and you, you learn to love it <laughs> because it's so fucking cheap. So you're yeah. sort of, as you're backpacking through the country, you're also sort of using it as water, right? Like. That's right, man. You got to stay hydrated. I'll show you. And you got to you got to go to work to get your pillow for the night. Yeah, <laughs> I saved so much money on pillows down there, man. It's crazy. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So you know, we're we're drinking this like my little travel crew and I. We're moving the same direction along the coast, and we're drinking this goon like all the time, and just having having good good nights. And uh, one of the nights we were drinking it someone just remarked like yeah you know we we never make it to the bar because you know we don't have the money and uh we don't have a bartender but we've got goon and well we've got the goon tender and points at me like why i don't know i guess i like brought all the goon that night or something but that that person unknowingly dubbed me for the first time the goon tender 
And we furthered the joke a little bit where like, I would pretend to take it really seriously, like my role as the goon tender and act all professionally. And uh, basically, basically what I do is if you wanted some goon, well, you would just, you know, get the attention of your goon tender. And I would come around, you'd cock your head back, and I would just pour way too much wine in your mouth. And that was was kind of the signature move. There's nothing to it. It was just a cheap laugh, right? It's like, you, uh, you know, yeah, you, you request the goon tender's service and I come, spray a bunch of wine in your mouth that usually spills all over the place. We have a chuckle and the night carries on. <clears throat> we, got, uh, we got so into it that like, I don't know, we were just really, uh, we, were, we were really about that theme for a while. So like eventually our, our parties, we wouldn't even have cups, man. Like goon tender was on duty. Like you don't need a cup. <laughs> we just need these bags of fucking wine. And uh and we were doing that a lot. We, and we took the show on the road. We were like, we were going to different towns and like doing the goon tender parties and getting other people in on it. And it was, it was just a fun little novelty. It was kind of like a hit doing it at the beach during the day and, uh, and like many nights for, for a few weeks we did this. And, uh, and it was just a, it was just a good time until the few weeks ran up. And like, you know, as, as you guys may know, that moment came when you, with your travel friends where it's like, well, shit, this is sort of the end of the road. Everyone's got to go their separate ways, right? Like, it's time we, we take our own paths again. And while well, the Norwegian girls went north and the Danish guys went wherever the fuck, and I had some time on my hands, so I stayed just where I was. I stayed put for a couple of weeks, and, uh, and that was it, you know, teary goodbyes. It was like I was not only saying goodbye to these new travel friends, but saying goodbye to my my new identity as the goon tender because you know you can't recreate that shit right like so uh th- that was it but so i thought <laughs> ah, i was like chapter I was, two I was like, no the goon tender can't die this can't be the end of the story the goon tender never dies man he lives on <laughs> it's like that false ending at the end of the movie when like the credits like think are gonna roll then all of a sudden there's another scene you're like what the hand first yeah. through the, the dirt yeah yeah, yeah it can't be over i love the goon tender no yeah so uh so eventually I did leave that town because, you know, whatever, I wanted to see new things. And I go north to just whatever the next town I heard had some fun shit to do. And uh, I'm, in this, I'm in this town. One of the things they had was like, you could take a kayaking day trip, right? So I, I decided to do it. I'm on this kayaking day trip with a bunch of people I don't know. But same as before, easy people to get along with, uh, you know, just like-minded traveler types, right? So we're, 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 we're kayaking, we're doing it. And halfway through the day, we get to this island where it's like our lunch break. And the, the Australian kayak guide did like bust out some food, you know what I mean, for lunch. And then he also breaks out just like a shit ton of goo. Immediately, I'm like having flashbacks and getting sweats and stuff. <laughs> the goon. Yeah, like these people don't know my past. <laughs> so, uh, he busts out the goon and whatever. I'm just having a good time sitting back. And this one, this one girl who was there time. and I was kind of hanging out with this British chick, very attractive young lady, I might add. She uh, turns to me and she's like, she's like, I was hanging out with these Norwegian girls a few days ago. And. They're telling me about how they used to hang out with this guy they called the goon tender. And like during the parties, he would just like pretend to like be a bartender and goon tend the party. And apparently all he would do is just pour goon in people's mouths. But it was a lot of fun. And man, I wish we had a guy like that here right now. And I was like, lady, 
I am the goon tender. Blew <laughs> 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 her fucking mind. <laughs> I am Batman. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Dropped a huge bomb on her. So needless to say, I goon tended the duration of the afternoon. And later that evening, hooked up with the British girl in a van. <laughs> <laughs> the goon way. Yeah. I have a, I have a question. Goon tending your way to van sex. That's awesome. I like that. That's it, man. The goon tending life. It's all about women and slow cars. <laughs> First of all, the, the name goon tender is such a good name. This episode, by the way, episode 38, there's nothing it's else. It's called Goon Tender, obviously. That's the only thing. <laughs> and, which is yeah. great. It makes it so much easier when we have a name like this for an episode. Otherwise, I have to listen to the whole episode and then figure out what we should call it. This is great. Wonderful. I love, I love how Goon Tender is like, to me, it's like half bar, bartender, half goaltender, goon. Like, there's sort of a three-way like, kind of Goon, bartender, yeah. goaltender. Like, I don't know. When, when you hear goon tender, do you think hockey or do you think bartender? I think of really bad, cheap wine hangovers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and good friends that I haven't seen in a long time. When, when they first called you the goon tender, was there like a resonance? Like, did you know at that point you were like, yes, yeah, I am the goon tender. Like, I, it seems like you rose to the occasion immediately. Yeah, exactly. There was that moment where the background kind of faded away and it zoomed in on my face and there's this like angelic chorus <laughs> and I knew I knew my destiny at that moment was to spray wine in people's mouths. <laughs> I took my role very seriously. It's brilliant. Hey, that's good. No, that's amazing. I mean, that's the whole point. If if you're going to have fun with with anything any 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 like, you know, little little travel identity that's the best way to do it, man. Just own it. Yeah. Well, that's the favorite part about it, right? It was, uh, it was like a fun little travel identity. And, uh, and just that moment when, uh, when I realized that like word had spread and there were like strangers who had heard of me. I was just like, oh my God, like, I'm fucking famous. <laughs> this is <crazy. laughs> You're like, oh my God, I'm a legend. I'm a legend. Yeah, that's right. The legend swept across the countryside. Yeah. From town to town, from, from, uh, what do they call them? From saloon to saloon. Yeah. <laughs> from, yeah, it whispered across the tumbleweeds of Western Australia. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So obviously I reported back to the boys uh, who were part of my goon squad to let them know that I'm being recognized like, <laughs> in different towns and they all got a kick out of that. Oh man, Goon Squad, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyone that's else awesome. uh, has anyone else been a a legend uh like uh, Goon Tender? Bob, you are. You're you're like a legend. Giant Bob. You're a people, living walking legend, that's what we're doing this legend. show. People have <laughs> stories about you and they don't really know you like your myth. Um legend. we we should have we should have brought up a Cam, but uh, at one point Cam was the champion. The champion? Yeah, because he uh, allegedly, you know, self, self-proclaimed himself after he outdrank everybody at one party. Cam the champion. That sounds really familiar. Like, Are you there for that? It's not, it, was at, it was at Amanda Bazinski's, and it's not something yeah. for Cam to do. Like, he's not somebody to drink, outdrink everybody, and then proclaim that he outdrank everybody, and then, and then rub it in everyone's face. 
So it was just completely out of character. And like, I mean, I don't, no one even think he did out drink everybody. It's just, he was really going for it in terms of like our drinking that night. And this was like high school or something. Yeah. And like he was just like, like lambasting us with this, the champion. And so uh, after that, we would always rip on him as being the champion. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I actually, uh, I remember now, Lars, when I first met you, when uh, we were talking earlier, it came back to me. Uh, it was at Cam's place. It was at Cam's parents' condo. You remember I think that? I place? remember too. Yeah. Yeah, and you showed up with a. Uh, you showed up on your own with a bag of what was it? Party mix. Party mix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like I heard it's the party, so I got some party mix. Time to and I was like, party. this guy. This guy's all right. <laughs> this guy's all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The man with the party mix is always all right. Everybody knows that. I mean, that's just common sense. Right. I came to party. Yeah. I think I stole yeah. that move at one point myself as well. It's a solid move. I mean, yeah. the main yeah. thing is the main thing is ideally don't show up empty-handed. I mean, yes. that's always a good. It's always you know you always feel good and you do always make an impact if you're able to bring something to the party. That's the brilliant thing about being someone like the goon tender you're beloved by the party. You're like, you're basically the party mm -hmm. supply. Like you are, you're supply, like you. When they're like trying to figure out who to bring and what to bring and they're like, well, we need the goon tender and like you're yeah, already, you're, you're, you're must, like, Make yourself indispensable and yeah. beloved to the point of legend. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Just position yeah, see, I, was, see, I was never, the, I was never the goon tender, but um, I you're did get a reputation. Game. I did, well, yeah, I was a goon, but I did get the reputation for also uh, being able to provide connections to anyone for anything at all times. Right. Because of what I, where I was working. It had nothing to do with even my interest in, in, in dealing in that world. It was just, well, I know a guy, or I know a guy, or I know a guy. And at one time, I knew so many guys, I suddenly realized that like, I might be a drug addict. I was like, wait a minute, I know a lot of guys. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I know too many guys with weird nicknames. <laughs> and then you know, hang out with them. Have nicknames. Then you Why hang out with them. I solve so many people's problems by knowing a guy? <laughs> well, that was the funniest part. That was exactly it. It's like I'm standing at the door, and it's totally cliched, right? It's like something out of a bad movie. Someone walks up and taps you on the shoulder and goes, hey, man. Can you? And I'm like, yeah, I know a guy. <laughs> you know? And when you say that for like the 20th or 30th time, and you realize you said it for the 20th or 30th time, but you mean it? Oh, man. A little bit of self-reflection is required. But anyway, I didn't ever bother with that. So I'm just saying. I'm preaching because I couldn't do it. No self-reflection. I just ran that road. It was fun. <laughs> well you have different you have different skills your skill set is different obviously your skill set in a party scenario needs to be involved in some some security and some muscle and you're part of the orderly side you're just you're part of the team but in a different sense you know yeah your skills would be um, wasted as a goon tender absolutely so i know i know the other side of the the, the party but i've also been at so many like after hours raves after getting off work and beach parties and things like that, where literally I'm the guy that goes to parties like that to lay flat on the beach and yell, Goon Tender! Goon Tender! <laughs> like I'm already whacked and I'm not going anywhere. I'm that guy. 
It was one. There's always one at every party. It's like I'm not doing anything anymore. I've done my fair share of hustling and running around. Now I'm just gonna lay on this beach like I like I fucking crashed here. You know, <laughs> like you know, like like a small plane has landed on this turf and I'm done now. You know. Yeah, that's more my style. That kind of that. Uh, <clears throat> Sometimes I've never have, traveled though. I've never traveled though. So those of you who are more travel. I mean, I was gonna but, ask you, Bob. Like, how far have you been? I've never traveled anywhere. Mm. Never. Not really. I mean, I've been all over, like, you know, different parts of uh, of Canada. But which is more than most Canadians can say. Have you been coast to coast in Canada? Um, I haven't been. I have been coast to coast, but I haven't been to every city. I've like passed through some provinces. Gotcha. <laughs> There's a fee you can skip. <laughs> yeah, you can. I've never been anywhere in Saskatchewan that I thought was worth. <laughs> And that's Saskatchewan not like, is just a highway. It's just a highway through Saskatchewan. That is Saskatchewan. You kind of see a lot of it because it's there for a long time when you're going by. But <laughs> right, right, like you 13 hours. It, yeah. 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 <laughs> you, get the in, you get the impression that if there's any more of this, I don't want to see it. You know what I mean? Like I've seen this now for like nine hours. I'm done with this. It's the best if you're a wheat lover. There's no better place. Absolutely. If you're on those coast, yeah. If you're a land whale, like just going from one wheat source to the next. Uh, oh, we, no, we just got a comment. We have an audio you know question. Do you think and the question, after question hours was? In Toronto? And you know what? I'm not going to confirm or deny the comment, but I'll tell you this: from professional experience, almost certainly. The question again was, do you think there are after hours in Toronto ignoring lockdown? So they were wondering, this is Sheps asking if uh, there's like speakeasies operating in town. Somewhere. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are many more than people would think. I mean, there's people who just die for that kind of interaction, right? Like they, they do anything. Well, also, there's different, level, there's different levels of engagement to your clientele. So, I mean, you're dealing with a more complex issue than one an after hours can't be described as one bar. It's not like any individual space. Every one of them is different. Some of them are crazy basements. Some of them are people's, you know, garages for uh, affiliates of various nefarious gangland personality types. Others are rented spaces. Other, you know what I mean? Others are studios. It goes all through the gambit, right? So, yeah, yeah. What about but what about I, you, Philly Blunt? Uh, oh. But I yeah, guarantee yeah, you, there are, I guarantee you, there are a lot of places that are open. I would, I would, I would find it very difficult to believe otherwise. Sheps is going to go to the nearest one located to him now. Um, Philly Blunt, what about you? And for our listeners out there, I'm calling him Philly Blunt because uh, back in the day, that's what his name was. Because Phil could roll the best J's out of all of us. Anytime we needed something rolled, it was Philly. And wow. uh, then also the blunts rolled up on the scene, and there was a Philly blunt, and we would smoke those. Phil would roll them. Philly, those are his um, two nicknames: Philly Blunt and Goon Tender. That's amazing. <laughs> he supplies the blunts and the and the goon. Yeah, the high school nickname was really quite just a layup. You know what I mean? Once the Philly blunts hit the scene, and and it was always a showdown between me and our buddy Dennis for uh, who could roll better. It was neck and neck, you man. The filter was tight. Yeah. Fuck Dennis. Fuck Dennis. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <totally. laughs> the, 
I'd have told you to group friends. I'd have told you to group of friends, but I I absolutely had a guy in my group too named Nick. It was like the rolling machine. He was the guy who was like, yeah, okay, if anyone needs to get some rolling, just get Nick roll it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I told him to understand that. that yeah. yeah, there's always some there's always somebody who has like the skills, you know what I mean? And there's always the weirdos that think they have the skills that don't. It took me forever to learn how to roll. I don't know, it's one of those guys. <laughs> I still don't know how to roll a joint. Yeah, some people never learn it. Some people smoke a ton of weed and just never really develop that skill. And either just rely on others or uh, or hit the bong. You know what I mean? Well, that's you know that's what that's the genius of the bong, right? It's like it's like the Jesus Christ of pot smoking devices. It, 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 it treats it treats all men equally, right? We are all sacred under the Lord. He made that sacrifice for us. Just rip the bong. You know, yeah. equalizer. And if you don't have a bong, then just make a bong out of an apple. And if you're deeply yeah. religious, I'm so offended with my blasphemy. Yeah, exactly. But um, but I ask you, Philly, because uh, Bob, uh, before you know, we all kind of got locked in. Uh, Bob was was amongst many professions. One of his things was uh, holding down the door at, at an after hours. So, when was the last time, uh, Philly, you were? What's your last interaction with an after hours, or, or what's your most memorable? Oh man, I never really fucked with the after hours too much here. I know it's always, it's always it's like one done kind of thing because it's like you only see yeah. seven or nine nine a.m. a couple times. What about in Australia when you were the goon tender? There's like was that everything must have been like on the beach or something. That's after hours all night long, isn't it? Yeah, you didn't really need an establishment for that. Like right. the crowd would would just stay up. You know what I mean? And. uh there's always an extra box of goon laying around somewhere. Goontender was nearby. Yeah. Yeah, as long as the goontender's around. Or what about um what about Thailand maybe? Like I know you were you spent some time there after Australia. Yeah, like I did, yeah. So I traveled I traveled for quite a bit after I made some money in Australia. We, we were we were taking bets on whether Phil was coming home. <laughs> Dude, like those those were legit bets because at the time I, I wouldn't really have known what to tell you either. You know what I mean? It was a toss up yeah. for a while there. I was, uh, I was gone for over two years in total. Yeah, it was good. It was, good. It was a good crack. It was a good crack. Yeah. yeah. I exhausted my work visas. That's kind of what led me to be like, ah, well, you know what? Fuck it. I had a good run. And then I came home. But um, in Southeast Asia, that was a lot of fun. Like I traveled there with my Australian dollar, which obviously goes a long way. But similar thing, like they didn't need to have after hours establishments. It's just like the same establishment you're at. They yeah. just don't fucking close. It just doesn't close. Yeah. That's right. If you're spending money at the bar, they just stay open for you. You know what I mean? Oh, in a lot of places in the world, that's pretty much the standard. Like I hear that's the same in Greece and in Crete and places like that too. It's like, well, we just don't close. Yeah. Most of Russia's like that. It's like, well, if you're in a bar and you're still drinking, they will stay open to sell you liquor because it's worth a lot of money to them to do so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's part of the charm of those places too like because there's just a lack of uh of rules and restrictions and regulations that there are here in like north america you know what i mean like they're not getting busted. oh i 100 percent know what you mean man i 100 percent mean i ate lunch in a public park today <laughs> yeah how's that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah those of you who can't that's, see the video footage, that's all of us scoffing because we're prisoners of pandemic, so we're not allowed to do things like sit on benches or talk to each other. No, you get escorted out. I think they're opening parks up now. Provincial parks are starting to be opened up. Maybe not not like 
like playgrounds and beaches and busy places, but you can go outside. You can do whatever you want. That's like you said, Bob. You're like, what's a cop gonna do to you? Well, it's not. It's not even that. It's not even that. I don't mean to. I don't mean to put such a rebellious front on it because that's not really the case. It's not how I feel emotionally and intellectually. But it's like the the look of taboo on people's faces. Like they're walking their dog and they see a guy sitting there reading a book, eating a sandwich, and the look is like the same look you'd reserve for a guy who had like you know, a really bad case of syphilis and was jacking off uncontrollably next to the kindergarten. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, you evil man. Do you, do you get a... Look at the blasphemer. Because you're a seven-foot giant, you get a lot of looks regardless. Do you notice a difference now between those looks versus a COVID look? Like, is it oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, sure, for sure. No, like, look. When I, I just moved recently, like before this whole thing happened, like in December, I moved. So slightly new neighborhood. And uh, when I was first walking on, it first got nice enough and I could sort of leave the house and meander around the neighborhood. People were looking at me like, oh man, who's this like, like giant biker looking cowboy hobo fucking, I don't know, serial child molester or something like that's what the look I was getting off these women on porches and like, you know, old people on their lawns, like, oh man, who's this guy? And then I slowly but surely introduced myself, and the giant fear went away. And giant fear is one of those things, that, I mean, it's just like anything else. Anyone who looks a certain way, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm like, you know, nearly seven feet tall, very large, huge stature, like 450 pounds, like it's massive, right? So people give a certain instant reaction to that, which I don't really care about. I mean, that's just, that's just them and that doesn't bother me in fact i i am i'm amused by it most of the time but the covid thing is different it's this look of like the unclean it feels like a religious devotional attack not so much like a you look weird or different it's like how dare you do these these insane things like sitting by oneself and i know this is spawned by our, our mutual fears and our mutual uncertainties about the times that we're living through. But a little bit of simple common sense would never hurt in a situation like this. So I don't know. I think we just have to take a deep breath and remember that, you know, we, we can just, we can just give it a second. It's not, you know, your, your neighbors are not out there to kill you. This is not an us versus them thing. This is us trying to deal with a problem as a community. So we, definitely, we definitely need to unite, and there's definitely a lot of things out there that are, are implementations that could start to separate and displace people. So, you know, we're right. keeping safe. We have to keep that united front because I think that's the most important aspect is that, yeah, together we will get through. And I think regardless, people need to be conscious of the energy they put out there like like do you want to be a person that like are you the snitch tattletale like shamer kind of person or can you reasonably approach someone and make a recommend like those are two different worlds too but also i think the more time any of us are spending time thinking about what other people are doing the more we're just kind of lost in our own lives it's like everyone kind of yeah. needs to just focus on focus on doing your best accept and hope that other people are also trying to do their best and just let and like just live, live and let live yeah. basically and to, to, to and focus on yourself. 
Yeah, but like take this time to like you know do your thing and, and don't right. worry about well, it's, too it's, much. With it. It's Travis. It's more even than that, though. It's more than that. I think. I think what Lars is saying, and I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm hitting this in the mark, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think what you're saying is that right now it's more important than ever that we we have the respect that we're not all fucking morons. Right. Like we can we can sort of handle this. So look, don't worry about what other people are doing. Just trust that they're not complete morons. You know, we're not all assholes. We're not all psychopaths. We're not trying to ruin your life. We're not trying to kill you. We don't want to kill grandma. You know, we're not, that's not what's going on here. We're all going to try and social distance. We're going to do the best we can. We're going to do everything we can. I'm curious because. In a society like ours, it relies on trust. We're a high trust society. We have to trust that other people are going to do their best. Yeah. Otherwise. No, otherwise, and you know, maybe they're, maybe they're not doing their best, but that's the risk that democracy always imposes. We're not judging. We're not crushing people for their ideologies. We're not controlling the flow of information. We're not, you know, uh, destroying people's right to think, but the consequence of that means sometimes some people make bad decisions and that's just the way it's always going to be. And the rest of us have to be compassionate enough to let them make bad decisions and not shun them from the world, you know? So that's how we'll get through this. Same way we always have. Some people will fuck up. Other people will not. Those who care enough will make a difference and everyone will survive. Those who don't survive are the tragic losses that life tolls out to every generation except ours. And now we're getting our taste of it. And I think we're in shell shock because of it. I mean, our parents, our parents' generation had polio and shit like that, right? So yeah, they had terrifying diseases in their midst all the time. Yeah. And then it's interesting you mentioned like on the front lines, like um, people often mention um, healthcare workers and stuff, but we have with Philly, we got the AMS workers. So it's like, I'm interested to ask you Philly, like, What's it been like for you over the past six weeks or, you know, since mid-March and before, what it was like for you in the day before and what it was like maybe after a big change? Yeah, it's a trip, man, without a doubt. Like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a paramedic. I've been a paramedic for four years and uh, there's definitely a big change, right? Of course, with, um, with this global pandemic setting in, you know what I mean? The, the nature of my day-to-day work has shifted a bit. Some calls don't go away. Like there's, there's the calls that are still there, right? Like the mental health calls and the uh, drug addiction calls, like they're, they're still coming in, but now we just have to wear all this extra gear for one, like going, sure, into, yeah. uh, going into any scene now, like you have to take that time. Even if it's like a cardiac arrest, I got to take a couple minutes, like a couple minutes is what it takes to properly dawn all that gear. So I'm protected, you know what I mean? And uh, in yep. moments where yep. second down, it's kind of a bummer. But you got to do what you got to do to stay safe. Um, and yeah, yeah, like I'm driving around all day out there in the ambulance. And uh, I definitely see on the streets, like lately, I'd say in the past week, I'm getting this impression that the the, uh, the enthusiasm for the lockdowns is kind of waning a little bit. Like yeah. it was easy. I would, argue, I would argue it's gone. I would argue it's gone. gone. I've seen so many people who just, I mean, honestly, people are just this out. They're just out now. There's a lot of that, man, for sure. Like, I think when the weather's nice, too, it's, 
it's going to be tough. You're just going to have to try to work with that energy. You know what I mean? People are well, going to I mean, we don't have like the cases, like obviously some places like New York and whatever, Italy, whatever, like anywhere else really. Like, like I, I don't really know because I'm not out there, but maybe like yourself can attest, like we just don't have the same numbers. So it's like flying our face as much, you know? Yeah. And it's a good point, like bringing up those places because the fact is what we're doing at the end of the day is working because we've not become these places, right? We've not become New York city, for example. And like, we are a, a, a bustling metropolis all the same. We're not in any way inherently superior to New York that like that, that allowed the virus to not hit us as hard. Um, we just mitigated it through our efforts and you're never going to get 100% of people on the same page. So yeah, you no. see people no. fucking off the rules and just doing their own thing. But at the end of the day, we've, uh, we've mitigated the, the spread of this thing in the city to a measurable degree. And that in itself, that victory is kind of a funny thing psychologically because as, as we're seeing that victory, we're kind of like, it can feed into this temptation to just relax, you know what I mean? Because it's like, no, what's the big deal? Like, this, is, this thing's fine. It's really not that bad. And, so, and then the weather's nice and so people start hanging out. So. It's interesting, man. It's it's like it's a weird social experiment, really, to observe. Like, yeah. yeah, it came upon us so quickly, too, right? Everyone kind of made their own opinions about it. So yeah, yeah. Bill, um, I, I, another buddy of mine's a doctor uh, at a at a hospital that hasn't really been affected in Coburg, but as a result, he, they have all the extra protocol. Every time anyone is ever inputted, it's basically like any symptoms treated as though it is. So it's just this extra layer that sometime has, he's kind of felt to a certain degree, it hampers you in treating all the myriad of other things because you have to take the extra time. Have, has there, have there been certain instances where you felt like, yeah, the fact that I had to take that extra time affected that person getting timely treatment or has it, you haven't had dire situations like that? Yeah, it's hard to say, like, uh, to be honest, for me personally, like anecdotally, I've not had a lot of experiences where I'm rushing to put on this PPE and I feel like the patient is getting this like incredible disservice from it. Um, but that being said, like those types of calls where the seconds count, to be honest with you, they're probably more rare than you'd imagine. Like right. the run of the mill call is the kind of thing where like, yeah, this person needs to go to the hospital, but like, you know, if they go immediately or if they go kind of soonish, it's not a, it doesn't affect their outcome drastically. That is kind yeah, of, I mean, also realistically yeah. speaking too, right. For hundreds and hundreds of years, people suffered humongous trauma to body parts, limbs, damage from weapons and falls and accidents and had no access to hospitals and people still fucking survived. So what we <laughs> yeah. consider today, what we consider today as like, you're going to die immediately. Somebody 50 years ago would be like, no, you ain't. You, ain't <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just straight up, like, oh yeah, amputations on the roads, died, you know, shit like this. Though, though, obviously, it's not as common as we would, would like to believe. But yeah, people die. It just, you know, and like the human body goes through suffrages, but it recovers. Well, with, with modern medicine too, most of the injuries you can—I mean, I'd, I'd much rather be stabbed than shot. Oh yeah. Although. I would rather be shot than bitten. I'd rather be bitten, bro. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Well, I'll tell you why. 
the, the gun the, the gun specialists the, the surgeons at hospitals yeah man they do miracle work with gunshots but there's if you get i mean i mean mauled like not just human bites i mean like seriously mauled if you get comparable damage is what i mean by that oh i see I, yeah i would rather be shot than bitten because they can put you back together pretty good from being shot we have a lot of experience like a couple hundred years of People getting shot and not stitching. Yeah, back and not to mention RoboCop. So I mean, yeah, yeah, they're no, right my, there, So my buddy got his ear bitten off, and there was—they literally said, "There's nothing you can do. The wound's too ragged. It's too whatever. We can't stitch it back on. It's done. It's all fucked up." Yeah, we all saw it. Mike Tyson got away with it. <laughs> uh, this is in a bar fight, just at Queen and Bathurst. But <laughs> it got bitten off. Now. The guy got his ear bit off. Yeah. Was it pre Mike Tyson or post Mike Tyson? I have no idea. I wonder if it was inspired, <laughs> was it inspired by Mike Tyson. It was just it, it was this guy, you know, because his thing, in the I had to I had to find I found we had to find the ear when we found oh, it. God. <laughs> no. Where was it? On the floor under a table. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do the joke from Robin Hood Men in Tights where you're like, hello? <laughs> <laughs> no. Just no. Off. no, no, I didn't remember which <laughs> ear was it his right ear or left ear? I believe it was, but what does that matter? It was gross anyway. I don't know, I'm just curious. We, we used to go to this bar all the time, and yeah, we didn't end up going to that much after that. But in the summertime, there's there's like the punk scene is broken up into like three basic components, right. There's the city punks live here all year round. There are like the the punks that travel in for shows, and then there's the sort of hobo transient skid punk scene that arrives as soon as the weather warms up and stays basically until it's time to find shelter again from the Canadian, you know, winter evil. The seasonal migration. Mm. Yeah. And and a lot of these guys are insane criminals on the run. I'm not saying they all are. I'm not generalizing. But there's a very serious group of these dudes who we used to fight all the time because we were the city boys and these guys would show up. And they were, they were the ear biter offers and the fucking, you know, killing people in, in sleeping bags next to them with hammers in the middle of the night and train depots, yeah. shit like that. Like really serious weirdos, you know? I mean, if you're going to... Bob, like your ear biting story. It's just like a throwaway big Bob story. Just like, yeah, guy, guy got his ear bit off. Totally. 100%. 100%. So, and, and Phil, I think I want to explore this a little bit. I was just thinking the same thing. So we've heard an ear. I feel like we heard another story. Was there a penis story at some point? <laughs> I went, let's do a little tally. How many appendages? I'm sure there's fingers. I'm sure there could be a nose. We, we heard a story about a guy getting a slice, his face sliced off with an X-Acto knife. So his yeah, face not off. off. He didn't slice it off, but it, it was like whoop. So let's, let's do like a tally. Fish. Like it was, he had the fish gill, you know, like it was cut down by the eyeball down to the chin. It was flopping. He was uh, doing his best Kevin Costner impression in Waterworld. What's the yeah. checklist here? What's the checklist? We got. Oh man. We got ear. So I told you the story. Okay, I told you the story. My uncle got bit on the dick by a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> I told that's you everyone's that nightmare with snapping turtles is that they'll get you in the dick. Yeah. <laughs> the snapping turtle. That's the best part. It wasn't even a snapping the turtle. Yeah. They pissed this thing off. I'm not sure what episode that's in. But I know I've talked about that, so you can find that. 
on our podcast as well. Um, yeah, I have fingers. I've seen fingers go. A lot of fingers go. Um, I saw a finger garbarated one time. Oh. Like, it was already removed. It's like some Scarface shit. Yeah. Was that, was that the scenario? Like, was it on purpose or yeah. was it an accident? <laughs> it, was on it was to make sure that we knew what we were into. Ugh. So we were told to come to a meeting and we were not know why we were going. Me and my, my brother, we went to this, you know, my buddy went to this place and we sat down at the table. And we're like, well, we don't owe you any money. We paid you up front. We're good. And like, yeah, yeah, I know you're good. Just sit here a minute. We're sitting there and in the kitchen, there's some loud debate for a while. And then a noise, like someone on a chopping block, you know, and some like, <sighs> And then uh, they're like, okay, look over. And I'm like, I don't want to look over. It's like, just look over. And they're like, Aah. yeah. And um, that was because it was very important to know that he had failed to bring back the money that he was supposed to. And that we should never take debts or owe them anything. So I was like, I was like, like don't worry, don't like worry, <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't worry, yeah, I totally won't, I totally won't, yeah, that's fucking hardcore, man. You were like, jokes on you, my fingers wouldn't fit down that carburetor. Could just be the hole's not big enough. Look at the size of those meat meat hooks. Hey, I don't care. Carburetors are gnarly. Sticking your hands into machinery, that just doesn't strike me as a good idea, period. So, so fingers, what else? Anything else? I, <laughs> Nothing bigger? Like no foots or full hands? I've never seen full hands, although I did. I saw a guy put a table. So he was cutting with a handsaw, a skill saw, like a circular saw, you know? And he taped the guard back so he could cut it on an angle. Oh, that's a bad idea. He taped well, anyway. the safety guard. He... Yeah, you, you fucked with the safety guard on it. Yeah, that's that, that happens quite a bit though when you're working. You just have to yeah, like just you know free free cutting. But what he did though is he ran it really hardcore, cut the piece, and then put the saw down right away, and it ran over his foot. Oh, because the saw like has some for you know it's pretty good torque, right? And I'm like, where have you ever seen like chainsaw races? You can make saws like. You know, belt sander races and stuff. You can make saws run down at the table. Oh, oh yeah, and they, oh, that would be great. I would totally bet on a uh, you know, sand. Yeah, let's fire that up now that we don't have the NBA or anything. I'll bet on chainsaws right now. I've seen <laughs> arms so bad. I've seen arms so badly broken. I thought that it, you know, if it wasn't for modern medicine, they'd probably be taken. <clears throat> well, I've seen, yeah, like, one, in one of the episodes, like, spaghetti uh, arm. I, yeah, the, the episode's literally called Spaghetti Arms and Stalin's Fist. You describe hitting a guy's arms. Did he have a machete? Was he swinging a machete? A what? He did, yeah. He broke he yeah. broke one of the windows and was waving a machete around. So I hit him with a with a stanchion that you'd use to hang up one of the red ropes. And just and he turned his <laughs> he turned his hands and the arms into spaghetti. Yeah, that's great. Well it was just the one arm. Oh, it was just the one arm, right. Right. Excuse me. Yeah. He was holding the elbow. And the arms just flopping around like, it was pretty gross. It was so, pretty gross. Goontender, I have a question back to the goontender. 
Yes, sir. Has there been, is there an example in your uh, goon tending career where you had too much goon, or whether it was actual goon or another alcohol? Like, what do you have any, like, over the top, like, you just got into it and things went bad? Did anything go bad? Oh, boy. You know what, man? I was. Like, did the goon tender ever get gooned? I was always handled pretty well by my squad. They took care of me. Right. Yeah. I, I'm cursed with this. Uh, trait where like when i drink i i remember everything i don't black out but then i just feel like i'm dying i i, I feel that like feeling of impending doom and death and i'll puke it all up and i'll like find my little burrow to go doom. but i'm not like uh i'm not like some people i know who will like black out and then and then just go on this form of autopilot and allow the antics to ensue. Day, day was the master blackout me. antics. Uh, we had a guy back in the day. His name was Andrew Day. Oh, Day. <laughs> and he would, remember, he, he would consume so much, but he would black out, but autopilot and just yeah. fishing the night. That's right. it. Like, uh, that's what I was going to say to you, Trev, is that who you need to invite is Blodens onto this show. A oh, show about drunken disorder. Blowin's got the rap sheet to prove it. Back when they would uh, throw you in the drunk tank, they don't do that anymore, eh? The drunk tank doesn't exist. No, I know. has had like a, a bed with his name on it in there. Like they, <laughs> they reserved it for him. He had a stack of drinking tickets in his wallet. It was like a party trick. He'd pull it out and he'd have a dozen at like any given time. That was like one of our episodes. A few episodes ago, we had uh, comedian Marito Lopez on the show, and Marito was yeah. known at the drunk tanks. He was like every weekend for a year. I was in a drunk tank, really, in different yeah. cities, and he was he was like the goon tender, legendary. You know, from town to town. I never spent any significant time in the drunk tanks. Never. Yeah. Yeah. You're ridiculous. Like, no, the worst part is I was totally ridiculous. They just do like. We're either going to drive you and drop you off somewhere or you're going to stay here. And we're going to give you this ticket on your file or we're going to shoot with the big deer rifle because you're running through the bush naked like Bigfoot. You know what I mean? Like who knows? But I never spent much time in custody. That's good. I it, Very good. I'm very happy about that. Yeah. And then again, you know what also? I'm usually pretty convincing when it comes to, well, what laws have I broken? I think it's important to tell me. And a lot of people forget that. Like, you really do have the right to question why you're being arrested if you haven't done anything wrong. Like, honestly. And be, I mean, be reasonable. If you really are a drunken maniac like I am, you probably don't have much to work with. But if you haven't done anything, there's absolutely no reason. Yeah. Like, honestly, I know a lot of cops. I know a lot of guys who work on both sides of the fence in this industry. I mean, that's how, just how that goes. Like, I work in a gray market industry. I fall right in between the two groups of people. Like, I, I often, when I was young, and I was a young man, I did a lot of really stupid things for money because I was broke. So, like, yeah, you'll sell drugs, you'll fucking party, or whatever, just to, play, just to pay the bills and have some fun, you know what I mean? But uh, you get older and you realize a lot of the things you looked at and saw when you were young are just not the same. Not the same. Your priorities shift dramatically, you know what I mean? Just the... the and I guess if you can get out of it with your your principles intact, you're all right. I do know what you mean, man. It's that coming of age shit. 
The good, I don't even know, you know, what the fuck does that even mean? I mean, how do we, how do we express that? You know, Maybe that's a question for everybody on the podcast and everywhere else in the world. I mean, how do we express that coming of age? How do we decide who we are as people? And when we do, when we do, how do we come to terms with the gross realities that exist just inherently in that? I mean, these are big questions, I know, but I mean, I think that's what we're trying to explore with every episode of this show and every day of our lives. You know what I mean? It's just sort of a thing we're looking for. I, mean, I am anyway. There's got to be some, I don't know, some function by which we can judge the character and quantity of our existences because otherwise we've just lived a lot and have learned nothing. So what would your hypothesis be right now? Now? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm more and more of the opinion that people are inherently decent and that we fuck up because it's more fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of the times it's interesting. You, you talked about many times being younger and you're at that fork in the road and one way is a little more exciting, like the safe, smart thing to do is this way, but the uncertain, crazy thing to do is that way and you, and you go down that path just for the story. Well, some people, yeah, some people enjoy, I don't know, tepid water. I, I want more. I want to see something. I mean, I mean, that's just the escapism too. And that's the whole, that's why the drugs and the alcohol and everything else comes in, right? You fuel that madness, that, that drive towards difference to strangeness to the outside. You drive that on the, on the substances. You drive that on the associations. You drive that on, I mean, I was hanging out with crazy fucking people doing crazy fucking things. Crazy things don't seem as crazy when the people around you are doing crazy things all the time. <laughs> right. yeah the bar moves the standard shifts yeah like that's the thing when you were the goon tender when you were the goon tender when you're you seem like a really awesome fun responsible normal dude but when you were the goon tender you were drunk as fuck like everybody else you were in a moment where everyone was having a party and they're in that zone so there's absolutely no no strangeness there now if you went to like you know somebody's bar mitzvah and decided to be the goon tender, <laughs> there's a pretty good chance you get asked yeah. to leave by some very shrewd old ladies, right? Yeah, I'd get thrown out like Jazzy Jeff out of the front doors of the Bel Air mansion. <laughs> exactly, right? But that's what the thing, the normalcy with which most people take not experiencing life disturbs me. Like, see, the thing is, the stories all start by mom, my mom passed away, and it kind of catapulted me nearly off the edge of sanity. And the rest of my story has been the slow crawl back. So instead of having this long trajectory to the bottom, it was kind of like I started out rock bottom, doing the worst I could possibly do, like mind-altering, physically destructive personal behavior. And I've been crawling back since. So in essence, that whole self-discovery is still a slow-blooming process for me to some extent. Hence the things I do for a living are semi-permanent and I, I don't know. I'm flighted, flighty and creative in that sense. I'm not sure what I want to do with the rest of my life. I'm not sure that anyone does. I think parts of that feeling don't go away, man. It's those questions you ask and that, uh, that like introspective 
view that you're and you're asking these questions it's that development of wisdom i think man it's that uh it's that path everyone's got their own path but it's that path of aging growing a bit older and uh realizing certain patterns and trends asking those questions and gaining wisdom man that's what it is that's why uh that's why you can't it's hard to be young and wise you know what i mean you got to be old and yeah, that's true yeah. And I'm always, I'm, I think, I think one of the things I love about this show, Phil, I love about this show is we get to talk to people. Like for me, I get to talk to people I don't, I don't know. And I get to have these conversations that I might not even have with people I do know. And that in of itself gives me more wisdom on the human experience. You know, I'm not, I'm not having, I'm having, I don't have the education of, of, of a lot of people with a, a couple degrees or things like this, but I've, I've spent a lot of time listening to people and experiencing people's lives through the stories they tell and through the things that I've seen of them. And it's really fun to have these, in, these exchanges, man. So thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, man. Yeah, Bob, I think you, you, you talked and you mentioned sort of coming of age or we sort of shifted into that coming of age. I think part of it is, is still seeking out that, that edge and that, thrill and that vibrancy of life but finding ways to do it that aren't self-destructive at the same time i think that's what everyone realizes like yeah like nobody can party you can't healthily party for 60 or 80 years of your life to that degree you got to find like for me it was creative stuff like i when i i slowed down my drinking and partying by getting into stand-up and acting and that's how i got to act out because i didn't have to be the drunk guy at three o'clock in the morning at a bar and I was able to express my idiocy on camera or on stage and get paid for it <laughs> instead of costing me money. So yeah. I don't know yeah, what yeah. it is for everyone. It's like all, all the thrill seeking of partying and doing all that, those fun adventures at the end of the day, that's the, I don't think anyone on their deathbed or when they're thinking of their significance of their life, you're not probably thinking of, parties you're thinking of the more significant moments and conversations that you had with people you know what not to put too fine a fucking point on it though if i could drink a fifth of whiskey do an eight ball of cocaine off some hookers titties and fucking do shots until 10 30 tomorrow morning i probably would <laughs> right so so despite the fact so despite the fact that yeah, there might be wisdom in age and whatnot and what have you. There's a lot of shit that's just, it's more fun than people give it credit for. I'm sorry. It just is. But what you just described is toned down compared to you and your younger years. Yeah, yes. Yes, oh it is. Yes, it is. Down, he says. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. So it's baby steps, you know, like right. you work your way from garbrated fingers down to you know, coke off the hooker's titties, but <laughs> no, I wouldn't actually do the coke off the hooker's titties. I've got a lovely lady. She loves me very much. I'm not interested in hooker's titties anymore, but I'm, I, I still probably would do the eight ball. <laughs> <laughs> and if the titties were around, I'd look at them, but I wouldn't touch them. Unless like, you know, your lady was like, go ahead, touch them. They look nice. That's different. That's different. When permission is given, that's that. True. Besides, besides, every honest girlfriend knows that your man's gonna look at things that he sees. It's like hundreds of thousands of years of biological evolution. You can't stop it. It's like what? That's like you know, 
trying to tell teenage boys, if you have wet dreams, just Satan, you're going to die. Your penis is going to fall off. It's like, really? Seriously, come on. You know? Come on. 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 On that note, I mean, is there any further, any further, any further interrogating we have for the Phil? Uh, I mean, I I just want Phil to remember the Canada cards. Oh baby, I remember. That Canada was cards was a time in our, uh, our our history when I was at university, and our, our mutual friend Al came uh, he came upon these cards that were all Canadian provinces and it was this drinking game that we developed that I don't know it, it got everybody completely it, it, we went from one coast to the to the other and it was fa- infamous that it would get people completely uh shmammered and it was this have you played the Canada cards game yeah it was really simple wasn't it like so there, it was a regular playing deck, but on the back, like you said, it was just uh, like the individual provinces or whatever uh, repeated on the 52 cards. And, uh, and what it would be is you wouldn't be worried about the suit or number. You would just, it would be your turn and you would just have to say a province. You'd have to guess one. And, right. uh, and the card would be turned. And if, if that was your province, then you won. And if it was a different province, then you lost. And I don't remember what the stakes were. But yeah, it was, you were just kind of there like... Probably drinking oh. either way. Yeah, like Manitoba, and then it flips, and it's like Alberta. <laughs> and then I think a couple of them were, they just said Canada on them, so you could wildcard guess, and you could say you could, it was your turn to guess, and you could guess Canada, and then someone would, would get it right, and would be like, oh, everybody else drinks. Yeah, it brought the house down. I guess we were kind of easily entertained back then. <laughs> That's all it took. <laughs> Those are great times. Yeah, man. I totally, I totally remember the first like serious drinking game ever played was uh, the Star Wars Episode One drinking game. <laughs> and so that was after that was like after you know the the, the original trilogy that Episode One is with Anakin as a little kid, right? And the pod oh, racer yeah. shit. Like it was a piece of shit movie. Jar, but, jar, jar, and all that bad script. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was some amazing shit. But the thing is, it was it had stuff like every time you see a Muppet drink, every time, like, <laughs> every time, like, the lead Jedi guy adjusts his clothing unnecessarily, drink. Every time someone <laughs> uses a lightsaber, drink. Every time someone says pod racer, drink. Like, and it's this whole list of things. We were pretty nerdy, right? Like D&D guys and shit. So my buddy printed this thing off. We put the movie on. And our plan was to watch three of them back to back. We didn't <laughs> make it through the first, like, 25 minutes of the first movie. We drank, like, four bottles of liquor and about 50 beers. And could not play any more drinking games. And literally everyone in the room was just shmammered. And then I went to work. <laughs> uh, oh, and I'm supporting Mike, 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 uh, and, and the Monarch Tavern. I'm supporting today. I'm wearing my Monarch Tavern cap. Love you guys. Hope shout you guys out. are happy and healthy. Hope your family's doing good. Just shouting out. Shout so, out to the Monarch Tavern. Yeah. In Little Italy, Toronto. That's right. That's right. If you don't know where it is, you'll probably won't find it. So don't worry about it. 
you'll find it. Don't worry. We should uh, we should do our social shout outs. Uh, make sure to follow Big Bob at 39DD Show. It flips up on the screen, but uh, that's the uh, 39DD Show Instagram uh, thing. You find Bob's stories there. Yeah, I occasionally, I occasionally just show up and say something totally fucking random from wherever the yeah, fuck Yeah, it is I'm very doing. random. And if you, uh, if you want to hear something completely unexpected, tune in because uh, they're great. Earlier today, he was building a fence with his dad, digging fence post holes and sticking big giant fence posts into them. Yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah. Occasionally, I mention what I'm reading and then I don't mention it again. It's like, it's not a thing. It's like, it's random. It's totally random. So my random thoughts at random times. Um, I want to thank Philly Blunt for making his appearance, his debut on the show. Um, we owe it all to K-pop. We wouldn't be here without it. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it, man. It was my pleasure. It was fun chatting with you boys. Yeah, it's good to see you. And uh, we salute the goon tender. Yes, thank you. Absolutely, Phil. Thank you so much, brother. It was great to meet you, man. Yeah, you too, Bob. Oh, it's awesome, dude. Thank you. I really appreciate you coming on. Two ungarberated thumbs up for the show, fellas. <laughs> I look forward to the time that we can all be together and you can actually be the goon tender proper. You know what? That's a dude, great I will idea. Drink so much, I will drink so much boxed wine with you, you have no idea. Hell yes. When this, when this lockdown is lifted, I'm buying boxes of wine. You got the party mix. And we're going to do this thing. No cups allowed. Yeah, I haven't mentioned I haven't mentioned this, but my friend came back from Cuba right before this shit locked down. Oh. I have a Cuban cigar and a little bottle of, of rum. It's a tiny one of those little oh. air travel ones. Just waiting and ready for the day that we could to like declare victory. So yeah, that same day when we gooned him, I will also smoke a fat Cuban cigar and like fucking Drinking rum. You can all meet in a park or a like. No, I guess not a park, but uh, soon a park, but an alley or a parking lot. An alley right thing. behind your studio, isn't there? Stand at a distance. Yeah. And then you just have to take the box of wine and kind of like do this, so it just yeah. flies out into our mouths. I got to get the six foot spray. I'll work on my technique. <laughs> no, 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 no. Funnel on a hose <laughs> right byoh bring your own hose <laughs> yeah no no you just bring a cake everyone cuts the bottom off a two liter bottle and then they have their own funnel ah. you just the wine through his into your funnel so just bring your own funnel smart we're covid proofing the party right here this we could put together like how to covid proof your your party for the for yeah, the reopening, you can still do fucking keg stands and shit. Just everyone has to bring their own funnel. I like it. Because then you can pour anything. You carry a bottle around, just pour it into their funnel, right? But for now, stay the fuck home. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> On the company line. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. All right, friends. Are we are we, uh, are we gonna say goodbye? Yeah, I think we are. Everyone, have a good night. Bye. Thanks again, yeah. Phil. It was really okay. great to meet you. Yeah, Trevor Larson, yeah. we love you guys. Yeah, Great buddy. to see you. Yeah, we'll chat soon. <laughs>